for this thought, a life full of tokens. Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast hoped or helped me and comforted me. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that we've heard this morning, the songs. And I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. I pray that you would just guide us here this morning. I pray that you would just help me to preach with an anointing here this morning, God, that your word would come with power. God, that you would bless us and, God, draw us closer to you. I pray that you would remind us, Lord, of the tokens that you've given us along life's way. And I pray that, God, you'd help us to examine the life of David this morning and then our own lives, God, all that you've done for us. And I pray that you'd speak to us, God, and help us uh, to, just to remember that the problems of life should drive us to you. I pray that, God, you'd be with each person that's here this morning, be with those that are traveling and away. I pray that you'd refresh them. God, just bless our day. Bless us with your presence. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Under Psalms 86, if your Bible's like mine, it has this subtitle, A Prayer of David, a prayer of David. Now, in my mind, David is a man's man. If you're going to fight a lion and a bear, and you're going to fight a giant, you're a man's man. But it's funny how the pages of Scripture is filled with a description of David that not only was he a man's man, but he played the harp. Now, I don't know how those two things are intertwined, but I'm sure that David would set you straight about it. But he was a man's man, yet God used him. But he was also a man that was uh, open to communicating what was on his heart. And I think as a man, I struggle with that sometimes, just to open my heart and my mind and to communicate what I'm thinking and feeling. But although David was a man's man, he wrote down in the pages of Scripture a prayer for us that I believe if we could model some things that he showed in this prayer that it would help us. Then we'll get on down to the Scripture that I'm going to preach about this morning. He says in verse 1, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. David had a proper view of himself as he begins to pray. He did not pray as a king, I come to thee, O king of kings. He said, I am poor and I'm needy. There's no pride in his heart. And if we're going to come to God and pray the way that we need to, there can't be any pride there that we realize the condition that we're in, that we need his help and that we can't do the things that need to be done, but we need his help. David said, I come to thee and I'm poor and needy. He says in verse 2, preserve my soul. He says to keep or to guard, to observe my soul, for I am holy. That's an interesting thing that David would say. Not that he is... Uh, completely sinful, not that he is absolutely uh, absolute everything that he needs to be, but he said, I'm faithful and I'm set apart for you. He said, O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. David could have trusted in a lot of things. No doubt there was a lot of wealth that was associated with his uh, title as king. He had a lot of mighty men that were surrounding him. He was a man with a lion-like heart as the Bible describes him, but he wasn't relying on any of those things. He said, Lord, I rely on you. There's a lot of things that the devil will tempt us to rely on, our wealth and our riches, rely on other people, maybe some bedrocks of the faith that we have in our lives. But the best thing that we can rely upon in our walk with the Lord is just to simply to trust Him. He said, you are my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Verse 3, be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. This was not a spare tire prayer that he had, that he was going through a rough time and suddenly he finds himself in such a spiritual condition that he says, Lord, please help me. But he said, I cry to you daily. If we are going to grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then there has to be a daily walk with him. I know as Baptists we love to eat, but if all we ever ate was on Sundays, we'd be in miserable shape. Because by Sunday night, we need something else to eat. And spiritually, we are starving ourselves if we do not have a daily walk with the Lord. If there is not a structured, scheduled time that you spend time in the Word of God and that you pray, chances are it's not going to happen. Because if you don't make it happen on a day-to-day basis, you're not going to grow as a Christian. 
But he says, be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. It was a consistent thing in the life of David. He says in verse 4, rejoice the soul of thy servant. Rejoice the soul to encourage it, to lift it up. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. If your soul needs encouraging this morning, can I tell you to do what David did. He said he lifts up his soul to the Lord. And I believe that that worship that Dana Williams was talking about all week, if we're discouraged, then we need to worship the Lord. We need to lift our heart up to the Lord. And in doing that, he can rejoice our soul. Once again, he refers to himself as a servant. He said that he's poor and needy. He said, I'm a servant for you. He's not considering himself to be anybody special, but just someone in need of a touch from the Lord. Verse 5 gives us perspective. See, a lot of times as you pray and as I pray, I'm so focused on my problems that I never give God the credit and the glory and the worship that he deserves because I'm so focused on the problem. But see, David, he's not even mentioned the reason that he's praying yet. He said, Lord, I want you to preserve me. I want you to restore my soul. God, would you listen to me? But then he turns his heart towards heaven. Verse 5, for thou, Lord, art good. Does the goodness of God ever just overwhelm you sometimes? Have you ever been riding down the road and the goodness of God just crawl into the truck with you? That your goodness is, His goodness is running after us? Oftentimes I'll be mowing the yard and look at the home that God has given me to live in and I'm reminded of the goodness of God and I look at photos at my house of my family and I'm reminded of the goodness of God and I see my children and their walk with the Lord and their tenderness before Him and I'm reminded of the goodness of God and I come and sit in this church and I hear the preach word of God and I feel the presence of God and I hear the choir sing and my heart is encouraged and I'm reminded of the goodness of God. David said, for thou, Lord, art good, oh man, and ready to forgive. That's something only God alone possesses. You see, all of us, if somebody wrongs us, if somebody crosses us, our first thought is, can I render judgment in the name of the Lord? See, that's what we want to do. How many of us, when somebody wrongs us, are ready and waiting just to forgive that person if they would come and ask us? But David said, Lord, you are good and you're just waiting for us to cry out to you in repentance and you are ready to forgive. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we would just call upon them. It says he's plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon me. Verse 6, he asked once again, Lord, please hear me out of all the people that are praying, God, would you give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend unto the voice of my supplication. Verse 7, he gives us the reason that all of us pray at all. He says, In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee. Why? For thou wilt answer me. If God doesn't answer our prayers, then why do we waste our time praying? There'd be no use. It'd be of no value. God is either going to give us a yes, or God is going to give us a no, or God might give us a wait. And see, his timing is often different than my timing, but he knows what's best for me. And he sees the end from the beginning. He sees my life in a span. And he knows that a good thing at the wrong time is a bad thing. My son's sitting here this morning. He's eight years old. I'm not going to give him a 20-inch bar on a chainsaw and say, go to town, son. That chainsaw is a great thing, but it's, it's not time for him to use that chainsaw yet. Marriage is a great thing, but I'm not going to push my eight-year-old son into marriage and say, go get it, son. Lord bless you. Marriage is a great thing, but it's the wrong time. And when we pray and ask the Lord, we've got to be sensitive to the the discernment of the Holy Spirit to know what is right for us and in what right time it is that He needs to put it in our lives. And oftentimes we get frustrated because God says, hold on, just wait just a minute. 
But it might be for our good. Because see, a good thing at a wrong time is always a bad thing. And God may be keeping you from making a mess of yourself by not giving you what you want just yet. Because oftentimes He's got to put us through school first so that He can give us what we need. He says, God, you will answer me when I call upon you. Verse 8, his heart is turned towards heaven again as he gets this view of who God is. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. In the midst of the pagan culture that David lived in where there was gods on every corner, He said, you are God alone. I love that song that the choir sings. From before time began, you were on your throne and you are God alone. There is no other place that we need to turn to. And David said, I'm not going to a false idol. I'm not trusting in myself. But God, I'm going to look to you because you do wondrous things and there is no one that can work like you work. And he said, God, I'm going to call upon you. You are God alone. Then verse 11, we see his prayer from his heart. Teach me thy way, O Lord. If you're going to do any job in this life, there's going to be some measure of training that comes with that job. No matter how simple the job is, somebody is going to show you how to do that job. David didn't come to the Lord and said, I am a king, I'm speaking to you as a king, I don't need anything. He says, I'm poor and needy, I'm a servant. God, I need you to show me the way that I need to go. Why was David considered one of the greatest kings? I think that David never got caught up in the fact that he was king. I think that he was caught up in the fact that he needed the Lord to guide him every step of his life. He said, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. That's a hard thing to find these days, truth. I don't know about you, but truth is suspect in a lot of areas in life. You watch the news and you're like, is that really true? You see things on Facebook and Instagram. You may see things on Twitter. And you scratch your head and you wonder, is that really true? I believe we're living in a day where you can confront someone with absolute facts, 100% truth, and they'll look at you and say, I don't don't know about that. No, no, no. This is absolute facts that I'm giving you. And they'll look at you and say, well, that may be your truth, but that's not my truth. See, we're living in a day where truth is suspect, but David says, teach me your ways, God. I want to walk in your truth. There's no greater place that we can walk than in the truth of God. Then he says an interesting prayer request in verse 11. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Deuteronomy 6, 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. David realized that his heart is prone to distractions, just how your heart and my heart is prone to distractions. The Bible tells us in the book of James that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and David did not want to render half-hearted worship to the Lord. If you've ever tried to render half-hearted worship to God, you know what you got out of it? Probably nothing. Those times when you come before the Lord and out of a heart of worship, you pray and you praise and you sing, God will do something in your heart. He said, God, I want to walk in your truth. Teach me thy way. Unite my heart, God. Help all of my focus and all of my attention and all of my devotion and all of my affection to be devoted to you. And God, then you can begin to do something in my heart. He says, unite my heart to fear thy name. If God does that, this is what he's going to do. Verse 12. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify thy name forevermore. He's going to praise the Lord based off of what he does for him. Verse 13, he's looking towards the Lord again. We've not even got to the main prayer request of why he's praying. But he's turned his heart and his attention back to the Lord. 
For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Well, David, he's caught up in his prayer and he's saying, God, please help me. I'm poor and needy. I'm just a servant. God, I need you to unite my heart. God, would you lead me in truth? I want to walk in your ways. God, I want to praise you. God, you've delivered me in the past. As we come to pray before the Lord, it'd be a good thing for us just to walk down memory lane as we come before his presence, remembering who he is, but also remembering what he's done for us in the past. David said, you've you've delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Then we come to verse 14, which is the main reason that he's even praying. He said, oh God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul. This is David, the man with the heart of a lion, the man that has killed the giant and the bear, and and he's done all these wonderful battles for the Lord. But he's in a place where he said, God, I need some help. A proud look God hates. David said, these proud folks with violent hearts have come and sought after me to take my life. Why have they done that? They have not set thee before them. You know where all the problems in our society are rooted at? Is that the fact that the vast majority of our society does not know the Lord is their Savior. Because the Lord is a spiritual check on our hearts. It's a spiritual check on our anger. It's a spiritual check on our words. It's a spiritual check on our deeds. And the reason that our society is so messed up is that they have not set the Lord before them. If you want to be a better husband, you set the Lord before you. If you want to be a better wife, then you set the Lord before you. If you want to have a better walk with the Lord, you set the Lord before you and make Him your focus and ask Him to lead you in truth and to guide you. And you be caught up with all of His attributes of His mercy and His truth and His guidance. And God will bless you in your prayer. He said, God, they have not set you before before them. But then there's a great contrast that comes in verse 15. God, these are violent, these are proud men. They've not set you before them. Verse 15, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion. God has pity on us based off the circumstances that we are going through. Why would David even pray? Why would he even consider himself a poor and needy person? Why would he even submit himself as a servant to God if God did not have compassion in his heart for the case that David was in? He said, Thou art a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering. This word gracious long-suffering means gracious patience. If there is a deficiency in our culture, it is patience, but especially gracious patience. Right? If you don't believe me, then go leave the church today, go drive on Interstate 26, and you will be well acquainted with your lack of gracious patience. Get behind a bicyclist down here on the road coming to church, and you will be acquainted with your lack of gracious patience. Right? Against my better judgment, I went out 26 the other day heading to Arden. Why I did it, I don't know. The, the interstate was a parking lot. I'm not joking, a parking lot. I think I went... 200 yards in 25 minutes. And I thought, in the words of Keith Watkins, what a blessing. What a blessing. You know what I was confronted with? My lack of gracious patience. Aren't you thankful that when we come to God, no matter how messed up we are, no matter how many times I've said, God, I'm not going to do that again, and I do it again, that God is full of compassion and gracious patience. If we didn't serve a God like that, we would be in trouble But David says, Thou, Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious patience, gracious long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. All of God's attributes are without limit. 
He's plenteous in mercy and plenteous in truth. Verse 16, what, what good with it if God, uh, is it that God is full of mercy and truth if we don't ask Him for some? Oh, turn unto me and have mercy upon me. God, you've got all this mercy. Can I have some? What good is it if God has all wisdom and He does if we don't ever ask Him for it? What good is it if God has all providence and all provision that, that we need and we don't ever ask Him for it? And this stairwell back here, it's Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given unto you. David looked at the Lord and said, God, you are full of gracious patience and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and truth and mercy. Can I have some? Have you prayed that lately? God, give me some of your mercy and your truth. David was well acquainted with it. And then verse 16. I'll turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Look at this latter part. It says, give thy strength unto thy servant. You ever prayed that prayer? I know Miss Tina sings a song, Lord, don't move the mountain, get, just give me strength to climb, right? But if you're, if you're like me, oftentimes I've got a situation in my life that's causing me discomfort and pain, and I'm like, God, would you take the scalpel of grace and just cut that out of my life and just remove it altogether? God, I don't, I don't want to walk down that rough road. I don't want to bear that burden. I don't want to be any part of it. God, would you just, just remove this from my life? But David looked at this situation and he said, God, I'm not asking you to remove the battle. I'm not asking you to remove the people. God, would you just give me your strength? Because if you gave me your strength, then I can make it. Because some of the valleys that we have to walk through and some of the problems that we encounter in life, there are lessons in there that we are not going to learn any other way but to walk through the valley, to bear the burden of those problems. And if we have the strength of God, then He can bless us in the midst of that so that we can take another step and we can live another day that if we would just pray for His strength to make it through the problem, we'll come better through it on the other side. David says, God, give me your strength and save the son of thy handmaid. Once again, he is not claiming his pedigree or his position. He says, God, I'm just a lowly servant. But then we come to verse 17 in the passage of Scripture that has been burning on my heart. He says, show me a token for good. God, would you give me a sign for good? And some of y'all are like, Jason, you better be careful. It's 2022. You're asking God to give you a sign. Well, there's a danger here. I think we can read way too much into signs. You may get in your car in the morning and you spill your coffee on your pants and you're like, it's a sign, I'm going to have a bad day. You go outside and your tire's flat, it's a sign, I'm going to have a bad day. And you read way too much into everything and everything's a sign. But then I think there's a danger on the other side that God's trying to show us things and we just don't see them sometimes. Let me read you these signs from Scripture just to remind you that signs are from cover to cover in the pages of God's Word. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 13, I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token or a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. You may have seen the rainbow this week and all the rain that we've had. You know what that is? That's a sign that has been going on for thousands of years that God is not going to flood the earth again. Gideon prayed for a sign in Judges 6. He said, if you're speaking to me, Lord, if you want to use my life to deliver the children of Israel, I'm going to put this fleece out. And if it's wet on the fleece and dry on the ground, and then if it's dry on the ground and wet on the fleece, I'll know that you're leading me. You know what he was praying for? He's praying for a sign. As Moses went into... Pharaoh's presence, God gave him some signs. He said, take your hand and put it into your bosom and pull it out and it'll be leprous. That'll be a sign. Take that staff that's in your hand and cast it down on the ground and it'll become a serpent. You know what that was? It was a sign. He said, if you don't believe the other signs that I've given you, just pour water out on the ground and it'll be turned into blood. Those are signs that God gave 
to Moses as he went into Pharaoh's presence. Jonathan had a battle plan one day and he said to his servant, we're going to go up on the side of this cliff and if I call up to the Philistines and they answer us this way, then we'll go. And he did and they answered him that way and they went and they fought in the battle. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Over into the New Testament, Luke 2, 12, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. There's signs all through life. My friend Nathan Hawkins, he's a youth pastor at Trinity. He preaches for us every winter camp. He's adopted a little boy. His name's Xavier. As he went in to adopt his son, Keo and I were on a date one night and they went to pick him up and he had pulled into the office of the adoption center and he said, God, would you show me a sign that I'm doing your will? Would you just let me know that this is exactly what I need to do? As he pulled into that adoption center, he walked inside and he began to talk to the lady that was going to do all the paperwork for him. And she said, the son that, the boy that you're going to have to be your son, his name is Xavier. My friend, his last name is Hawkins. Out of 14,000 children in the foster care program that day, God allowed him to select the child that had the same last name as him. His name is Xavier Hawkins. He'd been praying for a sign that God would show him exactly what he needed to do, and God gave him a son that had the exact last name that he did. You may say, well, that's just a coincidence. Out of 14,000, that's pretty good. Not only did God show him a sign when he went to adopt him the first time, they couldn't have children. And then all of a sudden they got pregnant with Miss Brooklyn. And as they gave birth to Miss Brooklyn in the hospital, it just happened that on that day that God allowed Zay's adoption to be finalized on the same day. And that he got two children in one day. You know what that is? That's a sign from God. And we're going through life sometimes and we're thinking, God, I know that you're real. I know that you've answered prayers. And no doubt in the life of David, we don't know when this prayer happened. It could have been when he was running from Saul. It could have been when Absalom was trying to take over the kingdom. Or it could have just been some enemies that were there to just take his life. But he's praying and he's saying, God, show me a token for good. Would you show me a sign? So if I could this morning, I want to walk through some scripture this morning in the life of David. And show you some tokens that David's got. See, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, David is beginning his life. And Samuel is coming to anoint a king. And he comes to the sons of Jesse. And he looks at the son and he said, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And God says, don't look on the height of his stature or the countenance on his face. I've refused him. And he goes through all the sons of Jesse. And he says, is this all your sons? He said, no, there's one more son that's, that's out there taking care of the sheep. They bring in David. And he, the Bible says that he was ruddy and of a beautiful countenance. And as he knelt down in the presence of Saul, and that oil was put upon his head, and he was anointed to be king in the presence of his brothers. I know we don't read this in the pages of Scripture, but just walk with me here this morning. I believe as that oil was running off the head of David, that there's a token that David picks up, and he sticks it in his pocket. A token for good. As we go into 1 Samuel chapter 17, you're going to find that David is going to fight the giant. And as he comes, he's having an argument with his brothers. His brothers are like, hey David, what are you doing here, man? You've just come to see the battle. Where are those little sheep that you take care of? As they talk to Saul, David comes into the presence of Saul. He says, you can't go to battle. This man is a man of war from his youth, and you're just a youth. He said, no, no. He said, I was out with the sheep one day. And I know this is not in the pages of Scripture, but I believe that as David grabbed the beard of that line, that somewhere in the beard of that line, there's a little token that fell out. And David picked it up, and he stuck it in his pocket. He said, hey, Saul, I've got some tokens in my pocket that God has anointed me to be king, and I've killed that lion. Not only that, I believe that as David went and he grabbed that bear and he slew that bear, and remember, David is a man's man. I don't know about you, I don't think I want to fight a lion. 
I don't think I want to fight a bear. But David's like, you're not getting my sheep and I'm going to kill you. And so he did. And you know what he found? He found another token. And as he goes to slay the giant, he runs for the battle. And I believe that as David is running, he's got those other rocks in his pocket and he's got that stone in the sling. I believe that those tokens that God's already given him is clanging in his pocket and he's looking at the goodness of God in his life as God is already leading him and protecting him and preserving him. And then all of a sudden he comes to the giant. And you know where that token was at? Probably right in the middle of his neck. As David takes Goliath's sword and cuts off his head with his own sword, and boom, there's another token that David picks up, and you know what? He puts it in his pocket. We read in the pages of Scripture that Saul becomes David's enemies continually because they sang the song that David has slain his ten thousands, and they gave Saul but thousands. But do you know that God can put tokens even in the mouths of your enemies that will encourage you and, and remind you of the goodness of God? No doubt along the way that David's life that he became discouraged, he's already got these tokens in his pocket. He's been anointed king. He's killed the lion. He's killed the bear. He's killed the giant. But no doubt on his flight from Saul, there was probably some whispers in his mind, you're not going to make it. You'll never get there. You'll never live to see the kingdom. This ain't going to happen. The whisper will come by. But along the way, God even used the enemies of David to encourage him. In 1 Samuel 24, David is in the cave with his men. He's fleeing from Saul. David and his men are cornered up inside the cave. They're along the wall of the cave. And Saul comes in to use the bathroom. And David's army says, hey, kill him. This is what you've been waiting on, kill him. David takes a knife and he cuts off a little piece of Saul's skirt. And although David was a man's man, he was a heart. He had a heart of conviction before the Lord. And he said, I will not touch God's anointed. And he went into that cave and he cut off a little piece of Saul's robe. And the Bible says that his heart smote him. And as Saul walks out of that cave, you know what Saul did? I believe that Saul looked back at David and he flicked him a coin. He flicked him a token. And this is what he would have to say. It came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul. that Saul said, is this the voice of my son David? Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good. Whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this, thee this day that thou hast dealt well with me, for as much as when the Lord hath delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good, for that thou hast done unto me. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. You remember as Abigail stopped David on his uh, conquest to go and fight Nabal. She said, whoa, 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 David, don't do this. Don't shed innocent blood. And Abigail would bring David a token for the Lord. And it shall come to pass when the Lord, this is 1 Samuel 25, 30, the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. God gave another token to David from Abigail and he's stacking these tokens up in his pocket. For the second time, David spares Saul's life. David and, uh, Saul and his men are asleep on the field. Saul's laying in the trench and the Bible says a deep sleep from the Lord fell upon them. And David and his uh, general goes down to the battlefield there and he goes upon Saul and he takes his water bottle and he takes his spear and he goes back on the mountainside and he hollers at Saul and he says, hey, your general should be put to death because there's one that came in to do harm. See, once again, his, his general had said, hey, David, kill him. He said, no, no, I can't put my hand against God's anointed. And Saul spared, uh, David spared Saul's life once again. 1 Samuel 26, 25, Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and shall also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. 
in the sparing of Saul's life for the second time, for the second time in a row, Saul's given David another token that he can put in his pocket. And David's collecting these tokens. It's a life full of tokens. Saul fades off of the scene and he's killed in battle. And David ascends to the throne. And no doubt there were haters along the way. You do anything for God and try to do it the right way, there's going to be some haters along the way. And no doubt there were people that looked at David and said, you stole the kingdom away from Saul. You, you shouldn't even be there. This is just a bunch of junk that you're even there. But isn't it amazing that God will give us tokens all along life's way? In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house, and David perceived that the Lord had established him to be king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. As they come to build David a house, you know what happens? Hiram is like, hey David, here's another token that you can put in your pocket. God has made you king, and I'm here to build you a house. As David's life goes on, he's wanting to build a temple for the Lord. And he says to Nathan the prophet, I want to build God a house. Nathan the prophet looks at David and says, Do all that is in thine heart. But you remember that God came to Nathan that same night and said, Go back to him. Tell him he's a man of war. He's not going to build the house for my name's sake. But God gave a promise to David through Nathan. He said, You'll have a son after you that I will establish his throne and I will bless him greatly and he will build a house for me. And David gets another token from the Lord. I want you to realize this morning that this token that God has given him in the latter part of David's life is after Bathsheba, right? 2 Samuel chapter 11, David messes up with Bathsheba. He commits adultery, he steals another man's wife, and he arranges for his death, her husband. The Bible says that God was pleased with David's life and everything except for the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And in our human eyes, we would think, well, God will bless us along the way, but if, he, if we mess up, he'll never bless us again. But aren't you glad that we've got the prayer from Psalms 86? But thou art a God full of compassion and mercy and truth and loving kindness and patience and patient graciousness and long suffering. And even in the midst of David's sin, he was a great repenter. In Psalms 51, he says, God, wash me thoroughly and cleanse me and give me a clean heart. God, would you take that hyssop and make my life clean again? And after Bathsheba, God gives another token for David. 2 Samuel 7, 18, then went King David and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hither to? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God? You know what happened? Nathan brought another token to David, and he put it in his pocket. See, it's a life full of tokens. Show me a token for good. Can I just share just a few tokens with you this morning of God's goodness in my life? As a five-year-old little boy, I knelt in my living room, convicted by the sin that I had committed of stealing a cookie from my junior church class. And God wouldn't allow me to sleep. And as I knelt in my living room that day as a five-year-old little boy, you know what happened? I knelt on my face before God and God dropped a token and said, there you go, son, that's my goodness in your life. And as I went along last way, God gave me a good church to go to and God gave me good parents to go to and God began to drop tokens in my pocket. And I went along life's way and God gave me a good youth pastor that would preach the truth and that would guide me. And God put another token in my pocket. Then one day, I met Kiwa, a beautiful woman I call my wife. She actually agreed to go on a date with me. It was amazing. You know what that was? That was a token of God's goodness in my life. That I'll never forget on April 30th, 2007, in front of the lighthouse in Harbortown in Hilton Head. I knelt down on one knee and I asked her to marry me. She said yes. And she's still my wife. And I thank the Lord for that. You know what that was? That was a token for good that God was putting in my pocket. 
On May 10th, 2008, she went through with her promise to marry me. And she actually married me. And we got married at Trinity. And we've been married for 14 years now. And it's been a blessing. And I love my wife. And I thank God for the godly wife that she is and the tender heart that she has. And that she prays and she tries to do what's right for our family. Just another token. Long last way. February 27, 2011, this beautiful little red-headed girl that I call my daughter was born at Memorial Mission Hospital, and I'll never forget, on that Saturday night before she was born, we woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and Kiwa said, it's time. I said, no, it's not. Go back to bed. She said, she said, it's time. I said, no, it's not. Go back to bed. She said, my water broke. I said, it's time. We loaded up in the car. We headed to the hospital. It was a Sunday morning. Thank God for the godly doctor that we had, Dr. Cobb. He prayed with us that day. He said, you know what, if you can't get to church, this is as close to God as you can get. And he prayed with us, and it was a blessing. That little red-headed girl that we had on February 27, 2011, just another token in my pocket of God's goodness. On June 11, 2014, my son Nolan was born. Just another token of God's goodness in my life. Are you getting the thought this morning? Tokens all through life. My pocket's getting heavy of all the tokens that God's given me. I got to see my daughter kneel down. Actually, didn't kneel down. She sat in my lap on a Sunday night after Awana's one night when conviction flooded her heart and she realized she had a need of a Savior. And she said, I need to be saved. And right down in that first parking space on a Sunday night, she has Christ in her heart. You know what happened? All the way from heaven, another token got dropped in my pocket. Not long after that, Nolan stayed home from a Sunday night Awana's. Wasn't feeling good. And he came to Keel on the couch. He said, I need to be saved. She led him to the Lord. You know what that was? It's another token for good. Wasn't long after that, I got to baptize both my kids in that baptismal pool. And the heart of uh, this father just expanded and rejoiced in the goodness of God. You know what that was? Just another token for good. Just this week on Monday, in case you hadn't heard, my son came to me and he said, Dad, he said, I may announce my call to preach when I'm 10 or 12 years old. And I've never pushed our kids into anything. I don't want a daddy called son. I want a God called son. And I said, son, whatever God asks you to do, you do it. He comes to me a little later. He said, Dad, I want to read some of your message notes. I said, all right. So I opened up the Word document, and he clicked on one of the message notes, and he came to me a little later, and he said, Dad, he said, I think I'm going to preach my first message on Solomon. I said, that's great, son. Whatever you want to preach on, that'd be great. I didn't think nothing about it. I went downstairs to work in my basement. A few minutes later, he came down with tears in his eyes, and he said, Dad, a still small voice told me that I need to announce my call to preach tonight, and he did that this past Monday night. And in, uh, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday on the 10th at 6 o'clock, he's going to share his first message What's he going to share? I don't know, but the same God that convicted him and told him he needed to preach will be the same God that speaks to him about whatever he needs to share. You know what that was Monday? I didn't know that there was tokens in my basement, but somewhere from heaven, a token fell down and got dropped in my pocket. And all along life's way, I've gone to my mailbox before and been needing a sign from God. God, would you, would you just encourage your servant here today? And I've opened that mailbox up and a token's fell out and I put it in my pocket. And there's been some of you that has walked the aisles like you did this morning. Larry, I don't know where you got to. Larry, you, you know what you did this morning? You handed me a card, and you didn't even know it, but you put a token in my pocket, a token of God's goodness. And all along life's way, in all the unexpected places, God's given me a token. I've been in my yard before and found a token. I've been in this church before and found a token. I've been driving down the road before and found a token. I've been going to the mailbox. I've been walking the aisles of this church. And all along life's way, you know what I find? Find these tokens that God's given me. You know what it is? It's a life full of tokens. I want to ask you this morning, do you have any tokens? Do you have any? 
You may think, well, God hadn't given me a token in a while. Can I ask you, have you asked him? I've heard Kenny Baldwin preach before. He said one of his greatest fears is to get to heaven and see a room full of stuff stacked floor to ceiling of blessings that God wanted to give. And the only reason he didn't get them is because he didn't ask for them. Have you prayed like David? God, I've, I've, got, I've got a pocket full of tokens. But that was yesterday. And God, for today, would you show me a token for good? God, would you just give me a sign that I'm doing what you want me to do? Would you give me a sign that I'm on the right path? I'm not exaggerating. I have been preparing for a message before and had a passage of Scripture on my heart and looked at the calendar on my wall that has a verse of Scripture on it for a Sunday and not known before, but the verse that God had put on my heart to preach is the very verse for on that Sunday, on that calendar, it was there. You know what that's a reminder of? Just a token for good. Just a token for good. You ever been driving down the road and just need some encouragement for the Lord and you hear a message or you hear a song that is exactly what you need in that moment? You know what that is? God just parted the heavens and just dumped a token out right so you can put it in your pocket. Maybe you're in a place this morning where you say, God, I'm in a dark valley. Lord, I need your strength. And God, would you just give me a token for good? Would you just give me a token? God will help you with that. You know why David wanted a token? It wasn't so that he could look at his enemies and say, look at me. God, give me this pocket full of tokens. I'm better than you. No, no, no. Show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou, Lord, hast hope in her. That's an old English word for helped me and comforted me. It's hard to argue with somebody when you see the blessings of God on their life. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like them. <laughs> Is God blessing them? Well, you may be the problem then. David said, if you'll give me a token for good, just so that they know that you have helped me. I don't know about you, but God's blessed my heart this week as I've thought about the tokens that I'm carrying around. And you may be sitting beside a token this morning. Might be right beside you in the pew. Lady, I got to thinking about you, the children that you desired in your heart. That's a token to sit right beside you. Some of y'all had medical scares. George, you really probably shouldn't even be here, to be honest. But God just opened the windows of heaven and just poured some tokens out and said, Son, you ain't done yet. Gave us some tokens. Jackson, you've been praying for some tokens here lately. You know what God did? Is God said, I love your family so much that I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to give you a little blessing. I'm going to give you a truckload of blessings. That's a token for you. That's a token. I know Dwayne's somewhere else in the service this morning, but y'all was praying for some direction. You know what God did? He just took and gave you a token. You may have drove a token here this morning. You may be sitting beside a token. You may be a token yourself and that God's blessed you. You shouldn't even be here today, truth be told. You know what we need to do? We need to turn our hearts and our minds from all the things that's bothered us and just turn it back and say, God, you are full of grace and truth and compassion. God, there's nobody that works like you work. There's nobody that does like you do. God, you are God alone. Would you walk me in your truth? God, would you teach me your word? Would you teach me your paths that I could worship you? God, give me the mercy that I need and give me that token for good that I can get through this problem that I'm going through. Maybe you need to pray and ask God to give you a token this week. A token for good. Miss Vicki, if you'd begin to play for us this morning. One of the greatest tokens that you'll ever receive in life 
I take that back, the greatest token that you will receive in life, the salvation of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest token that you could ever receive. If you don't have that token, all the other tokens of a house or a car or a spouse or children, you've got to get that one taken care of first. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. If you don't know how that needs to be done, would you come and talk to me? I'll be glad to take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved this morning. Maybe you just want to come and say, God, thank you for the tokens that you've given me. Thank you, Lord, for how you've blessed me. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the memory of the just is blessed. God's blessed us. Don't let the problems of life overwhelm your heart to where you miss the blessings of God that He has given you.